Welcome into another episode of Collegiate Chaos on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ostry alongside Ben Dixon. Our other usual host, Matt Levine, will not be joining us today. He will be back in the future, though. So it's just uh, Ben and myself today. We have a lot to get to. Ben, how you doing on this Tuesday? I'm doing great. Uh, ready to get in a rhythm here in a uh, second episode. Here we go. Yeah, so we're going to get into a lot. We're going to talk some bubble talk, um, some of the mid-major conferences that maybe don't get as much love, the Mountain West, Atlantic 10. We'll preview tonight's matchups. There's a ton of ranked matchups tonight. We're going to do a little segment called Frauds Are For Real um, about some of these best teams, considered the best teams in the conference. We'll see if, that we, if, you th- if we think that they have what it takes to make it to the Final Four. But we're going to start with some Maryland men's basketball talk, as we will most, uh, most of these shows. We're going to start with just an update on the Maryland men's basketball team even though they're obviously their season is pretty much over, they just had an opportunity to upset Purdue on the road last Sunday. They fell just short at the buzzer. They lost by one. Dante Scott an opportunity driving on the right baseline to go up. But a lot of people, including Danny Manning, the head coach, thought he was fouled. Was no foul call. Maryland loses by one. What were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, I mean, you got to love the fight, uh, all things considered. Uh, Eric Ayala not playing with a, a quote-unquote injury. We'll see what happens there. But um, I think there's there's a reasonable complaint there with the foul on, on Dante's last shot. But I think you can't really complain about the game coming down to that when you're up double digits with about 10 minutes left on the road, the number three team in the country, obviously not going to be an easy task, but you had the game in your hands. Like the win probability was in your favor with less than 10 minutes to go. And Maryland blew the lead at the end of the day. You got to love the fight though. Fats Russell really left it all on the floor. What do you have? 24 points, seven for 10 from two. Triple double watch. Yeah, he was on triple double watch. Uh, Nine rebounds, six assists, did have five turnovers, but three steals. I, I love what we saw from him. But really, really just a, an, an unfortunate, heartbreaking loss. Um, no real takeaways from the season other than it's, you know, fifth loss in a row, had a chance to make something special. And that's really just an epitome of what this season has been for Maryland. Kind of, you know, even in the bright spots, getting to that point, but not being able to, to pull it off. It would have been the best win in, in years for Maryland. I mean, yeah, the okay. first top five win since Maryland defeated Iowa at home, I want to say, in 2016. And then I don't know when the last time they beat a top three team on the road was. Um, it would have been a great moment in a dark season. Um, obviously, unfortunate at the moment, feel for the team, but no real uh, tangible takeaways from, from that one. Yeah, so, I mean, I completely agree. Like, the only thing I was proud of, I guess you could say, was just the fight. I mean, they really showed no effort in that Iowa loss when Iowa put up 110 points on them. We haven't recorded since that episode, but yes. That, oh, was, that, was, that was embarrassing. The record at the x Center, obviously Jordan Bohannon goes nuts for 10 threes, 10 for 16 shooting, 30 points. Keegan Murray also had 30 points. But they showed no effort on the defensive end that game. Literally no effort. Danny Manning called them out for it. And they came out and showed a ton of effort on the road in another Sunday afternoon game against one of the best teams in the country. So that's really all you can take away from is the effort. About the foul, or the maybe no-call foul, did you think it was a foul? Because I did, I did not think it was a foul. I, like, I, yeah. You could say there was contact there, but it's not something you're getting with Big Ten refs late in a game to decide the game. That's not a foul call you're getting. I know Danny Manning posted those alternate angles of maybe him getting touched a little bit. I'm not saying there's no contact. You're not getting that call. And I actually like the play design. I like the play design because everyone thinks it's going to Fats Russell. He's used as a decoy. Um, Dante Scott can turn the corner. Has a decent angle at it, but obviously it doesn't go out. Did you think it was a foul? Uh, not live, no, and I also agree with you with the sentiment that you can't really rely on that being a foul when you're the worst team and you're not going to get the calls on the road to begin with in that situation. I think looking at some of those pictures, I mean, 
screenshots can tell a thousand words, but watching it live is obviously a different story. I think they're in the pictures. You see the arm bar in the back, mm-hmm. but I think Gillis that could have been the foul. I think Travion went. Travion Williams went uh, straight up. But I mean, it's just it's such a hard call to make in that circumstance. And again, if you really deserve to win that game, it's not going to come down to you know a phantom turnover by Purdue on that um, inbounding the ball no, on their yeah. end of the floor. And look, look, you also and Danny Mang tweeted about it after the game. You have to make those free throws exactly. too to win course, the game. Of course, of course. If you split, you go to overtime. If you miss both, you lose it. But I, I mean, yeah, I also think the action, like like you said, Sam, wasn't necessarily that bad of a play. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't really love inbounding the ball to the corner, but you got the shot. You got mm-hmm. right to the rim. But it uh, worked as a decoy. You faked 100%. the handoff. They went there. He had the opportunity from the corner. Um, excuse me, Purdue had great defense stepping up in the help. Maybe he could have come to a jump stop, shot faked, and then gone up with it, or maybe leaned into the contact to make it more obvious call. Maybe could have kicked to the corner. But I like the play design. Absolutely. I think, I think you got to look at the rim. Maybe could have pulled up. Maybe he got fouled. Who knows? Um, at the end of the day, there's there's not much that can be changed, or there's nothing that can be changed. Excuse me, from uh, from what happened there. Obviously, feel bad for those guys. Um, really feel bad for Fats Russell. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. He's been playing. He well. poured his heart out. Though, exactly, and and you know he he committed to this program, and you know he thought he was coming with another star player in in Kadus Wahab, who you know hasn't really been that. Thought he was playing for Mark Turgeon. Obviously, that didn't end up being the case. And I just think the overall talent on the team was was just below what, what everyone was expecting. So on that end, I do feel bad for him because, you know, it wasn't what he was expecting from his, from his fifth year in college. And you got to applaud the effort that he gave on Sunday against Purdue. But um, in, in, in the end, there's there's not much to be taken away from that game. You feel bad for the kids. Um, feel bad for that final play. Maybe could have gone a little bit differently. But, you know. Season's yeah. already over at that yeah. point. I mean, yeah, you're just you're playing with house money, and that's the thing. That's they they have that talent, and when they play with that that heart to beat any team in one game, you know, you never know what can happen in a college basketball game, and that's why they could be on the upset watch in the Big Ten tournament because they have not they're playing with it like they have absolutely nothing to lose because they don't. And all these other teams, when they see Maryland on the schedule, it's still a talented team, but you know, it it could be it's going to be a hard fall game if they show that effort, which we don't know if that's going to come on a consistent basis. But now looking ahead. Maryland's going to have a game where they're actually favored against the Big Ten opponent um, coming up this Friday, which hasn't happened in a long, long time this season. Maryland's playing Nebraska at Nebraska, 9 p.m. game this Friday. Nebraska only has one win in the Big Ten. Um, if you're doing nothing else on 9 p.m. on a Friday, you might as well watch the two worst oh teams in terms of their standing in the Big Ten right now. Nebraska's the worst Maryland's second worst. I can't believe the, the, the marketing of that game, to put it at 9 p.m. Friday night showcase game. I get that uh, Friday night won't get the most viewers for, for college basketball regardless. But, I mean, that that's going to be, a, I think, a miserable game. Ken Palm has Maryland favored by three uh, for that one, 74-71 with a 60% chance of victory. Uh, we'll see if Ayala's out there. I know I know there's been, been some rumors about him and his status, um, but obviously don't know there and if that projection is factoring him in. But, I mean, this game is probably as meaningless of a conference basketball game for Maryland basketball that I can remember. Yeah. No, I mean, Looking like, back years and years and years. No, well, when have they I been? Can't. When have they been the second worst team in the Big Ten playing the worst team in the Big Ten? Never? Never. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. So. No. Definitely not, actually. But. Um, yeah, so and then so you think that's a winnable game. We'll see how it plays out. Again, Nebraska only has one win in the Big Ten. Maryland only has three, though. And then you jump ahead to next Monday, and they're playing Penn State at home. Penn State only has, has 
is ahead of them in the win column by one game. So they could make some ground towards the bottom here, maybe get out of the, that last four so they can avoid that first day in the Big Ten tournament on March 9th. But you, you just don't you just don't know like if if Penn State's legitimately, legitimately right. a winnable game or not at this point. Yeah, you really don't, especially I mean, I know they're they're promoting a red app for that game, but I can't imagine that crowd is going to be any good. I'm assuming we're gonna see some some students come in there, grab a shirt and, and then then leave the Xfinity Center. But um yeah, I mean, we'll see what the—I think the thing I'm looking for Friday, first and foremost, is just the motivation. Do they still have, you know, the will to, to win and kind of play for that ninth—or, excuse me, the tenth spot in the, in the Big Ten to kind of avoid that first day at the conference tournament on Wednesday? I mean, we will see. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, but at this point, this is probably yeah. all that's left to play for for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, look, if Fats Russell plays like he did against Purdue and the team does as a whole, even with Ayala not— if he's out of the lineup that game, we'll see, obviously, when that day comes. But if that happens and they play with that type of energy, they can compete clearly with the oh, top teams 100%. in the Big Ten. But definitely, they shouldn't have a problem with Got to see where the, where the morale is at that point, for sure. Yeah, and it should be decently high. Like Even though there's no moral victories, you know, it should be decently high after competing on the road against a Purdue team 100%. like that. Obviously, you want to come away with the win, but still. All right, real, we went a little long on Maryland there. Real quick... Um, Ben, if you want to give a brief debriefing on Maryland women's basketball, has won seven in a row now and has a chance to still capture the Big Ten regular season. Title. Yeah, I mean, last night was was unbelievable. They just completely clamped up Caitlin Clark, the nation's best player, or arguably the, the, the front runner She's for national awesome player. They're unbe- unbelievable, but I mean, they just completely, completely just stymied her. I mean, she turned the ball over ten times. She only had seventeen points, I think, um, which is more than eight points below her season average. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7 of 25 from the field. It was just an amazing defensive effort uh, from Maryland on the road in a hostile environment, beating Iowa, which has turned into you know one of, if not their biggest rivalry in the Big Ten since joining uh, the conference. Really just an outstanding win for Maryland. Now seven wins in a row, big chance to get some vengeance on, on Ohio State and improve it to eight on Thursday night. And if, if Maryland wins out, they'll, they'll have the outright Big Ten title after all that uh, conversation earlier in the year. Absolutely. So we will keep our, keep our eyes on that as that – season comes to a close and that uh, Big Ten tournament is a week before the men's so their season really is coming to a close in these next few games and they'll have opportunities to to get that number one seed in the conference as as Ben said all right so now let's talk about some we're going to talk about the bubble the men's men's tournament and some mid-majors so let's first talk about the Mountain West Conference how many bids Wyoming is the betting favorite right now according to DraftKings you know they have they're the best team in this conference they're, they're going to get a bid to the tournament, I think, regardless, even if it's at-large or automatic. But how many teams – do you see anyone competing with Wyoming? And how many teams do you think get a bid um, to the tournament from this conference? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to go with, with four teams here. Um, that's what I've been saying the, the past few weeks on Twitter. I just think Wyoming uh, coming in with, with Hunter or Hunter Maldonado and Graham E.K. have really just, just turned into – a team that really wasn't expected to do too much into the year. Uh, they had a great start, got killed by Arizona, and kind of just turned that around. They're up to 25 in the net. So I think I think they're virtually a lock bearing. Um, you don't want to say a lock because anything can happen, but bearing a collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, I see them getting in. I see Boise State getting in. 
I see Colorado State getting in. Um, they're really exciting to watch with uh, yeah. David Roddy, one of the best mid-major players in the country. And then I think San Diego State will probably get in, and then you're looking at a couple bid stealers in Utah State and Fresno State. It's a really talented, really fun conference. It stinks that they play their games at, at 9 p.m. At, at weird times and 11 p.m., but it's a really fun conference and one I definitely keep my eyes on getting, I think, at least four bids uh, heading into March here. Yeah, I mean, the San Diego State one's very interesting because we know that the committee loves looking at those quad one and quad two wins, and, and obviously the perfect 12-0 against quad three and quad four, but how much does the committee really factor that in? I think it might depend what the success they have in their conference tournament. But like the three and six in quad one and quad two, if you have if you're three games below five hundred in that regard, when you're playing in in one of those not power five conferences, you know, like how much does the committee value that quad? Like, do you do you think that's going to be a factor? I think it's going to be a major factor. I think nine quad one and two opportunities thus only far is away with three wins. only coming away with three wins. It, it's but that three and six record doesn't necessarily say that that they're a bad team because they they've they've won a third no. of those games against the good teams and they haven't lost a they don't have a single no. bad loss on the but resume. I'm, but I'm looking at it from like and look San Diego State's you know they're a well respected program but I'm looking at it from the the perspective of okay you let's let's just say Syracuse not necessarily they're going to be be there or Miami another one of these teams that could be on the bubble when it's all said and done and they're looking at these big name programs that have that have way more wins in that quad mm-hmm. one because they've had more opportunities obviously because they play in the power five conference they're, I feel like the committee's always giving the edge to those teams over the San Diego State team. yeah I feel like we don't we don't necessarily know how the committee has reacted in that sense uh to the net Yet, obviously, yeah. I think they made the change from RPI to the net a couple of years back, and it, it's still like last year was kind of a, a fluky tournament yeah, year with COVID, and and so we don't really know in that aspect yet. But the way I view it, the team, the mid-major team that doesn't have enough opportunities versus the high-major team that's let's say has gone four and twelve in quadrant one games, the mid-major team should always get the opportunity because the, the, the you've seen you've seen the the, the major team in, in the spotlight all season long, and you kind of know what they're going to bring uh, to the tournament for you. So I always uh, side on the side of the mid-majors there. But it's going to be a really, really interesting debate. Maybe not with San Diego State, but potentially some other teams. Maybe in Iona, maybe yeah. a Chattanooga when it comes down to the wire there. I always side I, on... I, I think Iona would get in easily. I Unless think so they too. sometimes they... fold. I mean, obviously they had that. They had their first loss in the conference. Unless they somehow fold. And no more, I think they're going to get an automatic. But if they don't I hope. for some reason... They're a good team. If they don't for some reason, I think you're still putting Rick Pitino in the tournament. Because that, that, that matters, too. Like, like yes, you can look at the net, you can look at the analytics. Like, name brand recognition matters. Yeah, the, I think as as much as we've seen it kind of get played down in years past, there. I mean, of, of course there's a narrative. When 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 Maryland lost in the, in the tournament, um, I want to say it was in the round of 32, or maybe in the round of 64, I forget which year, the Sweet 16 would have been in D.C. against, I think, either Michigan yeah. State or Duke. Was that when um, they lost to LSU on that buzzer? Or was I, that I, think, that? I think it might have been that one. i got to take a look at the bracket. But um, regardless, there's always some sort of politics that get played into uh, the selection show, regardless of, of who, you know, who's on the committee or who, who isn't. Because there's always some, some vested interest. Look, the committee's never going to be it, – it can be however many neutral sources it is. Someone's always going to have a different say, and whether they realize it or not subconsciously, their opinion is going to be floated in one direction towards the other. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so now we're going to go to a, a diff- another mid-major conference, the Atlantic 10, which we do not expect to have as many teams um, in the NSA tournament as the Mountain West, but still a team that at one point earlier this season thought you could have three or four bids into this into this conference – 
or from this conference. That is not happening. You know, no. they've been like as our, our friend out there said, they've been cannibalizing them, themselves, and they really have been because this is a tough conference. All, like every single game, you have no idea any of these teams could be any of these teams. Um, Davidson is the favorite right now to win the conference, and I would take them, and I, I am taking them. They're obviously 24. They're 60 in the net. They're 16-0 in quad three and quad four wins. They have a win over Alabama, and they're 4-4 four and four in quad one and quad two games so but obviously like like they played st joe's and i'm gonna give st joe's love even though they have no shot of, of winning this conference or making the tournament but that's everyone knows that's i'm a st joe's guy because my, <laughs> my good friend plays there and st joe's took them um took them down to the last second against davidson and then st joe's lost to umass the other day so like every, any day in this conference you have no idea what you're gonna get and it's such a fun conference to watch like it really is. Davidson is the favorite, and I think they're going to get in. Do you see anyone else getting in? Obviously, St. Bonaventure has been a super big disappointment. St. Louis has kind of been a, somewhat of a surprise. They've been impressive. I like watching them play. Do you see anyone else winning this conference besides Davidson? And do you see potentially there being two? Like, I, I can only see there being a two bids from this conference if Davidson somehow gets upset in, like, the A-10 championship. Other than that, I think it's Davidson. Yeah, I mean, I think Davidson, uh, you look at their net right now, it's 60, but another team that's 16-0 and in quad 3-4, and four, they do have that win over Alabama, 4-4 four and four in quad 1-2. and two. Bob McKillop is a good team. I think I think they're going to get in as long as they figure finish the regular season well, even if they lose um, in the conference tournament. But I think, which, by the way, I do predict them losing in the conference tournament. I think yeah. you've, you've, you've seen the way this... Yeah, with this, the A-10, one shock. Exactly, like, exactly. I, I, think, I think you could see a team like... VCU win the conference tournament, a team like St. Louis, Javante. Rich, Richmond is a team oh, that has beaten some 100%. of them. Like, they've had some great wins, and they're a team that, you know, they're very much mid, they're towards the top, but they're very much middle of the pack at that 8-10, and they could go on a little run. Last year, again, I'm not going to, St. Joe's won like two or three games in the conference it, tournament, it, and it looked like they could make a run. The 8-10, like, yes, I think you're right that Davidson might not win the 8-10 just because the nature of the conference is so crazy. Right, and I don't think that's something that's really gonna gonna affect them in the long run either, as long as they finish the regular season well and don't lose to say, you know, mm-hmm. Lasalle or Fordham yeah. in, in in the conference tournament. But like I was saying with St. Louis, without Javante Perkins, their best player goes down before the season. Yuri Collins turns into this stud point guard and kind of leads them to the bubble ish. Um, Dayton has been a really weird team. They they had those really bad losses early in the season. I know they lost to UMass Lowell, but then they ended up beating Kansas and in, in Orlando. Yeah. They've kind of flown off the radars of late. But then you look at you look at bid stealers, it's not only those three teams. Like you said, Richmond, I think George Mason with Josh O'Dur, yeah. one of the best players in the conference, and, and Kim English. Kim English, potential Maryland candidate. Also George Mason beat Maryland earlier yep. this year. I th- we saw him in person. That was impressive. I think I think they would also have a chance to kind of win that conference tournament. And and, that's... and their two of their losses have been without their best player. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, I mean their record the, and the, tor- the tournament has to take that into consideration. Exactly. Too. And they're records... not that they're an at large team, but but their record as a as a 500 team in the conference, what they are right now, is a little fraudulent because they haven't had their best player for a couple games. So like, that's another team that could make a little run. So, yeah, I mean, if you had to pick a winner, not for the regular season, for the conference tournament right now, who would you have? Right now? Oof. It's in D.C., right? It is in D.C. If it wasn't during the Big Ten tournament I, in Indianapolis, I would have gone to this tournament because I'd love to watch the A-10 tournament. It's going to be a lot yep, of fun. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I said Davidson's going to lose in the conference tournament, so i got to stick to that. Like am I am I crazy? Am I crazy for thinking Bonaventure could have a, a chance I, to heat yeah. up? I think they showed a lot of flashes earlier in the season, and they're kind of off everyone's radar now. And they, they're they're going to be battle tested the last two games of the season at VCU, home against Richmond. I think if they 
maybe lose one of those games, it could help them going into the tournament. That's crazy. Maybe play with a little bit more fire. But I really do like the talent that that Bonaventure has. I love the preseason with Jaron Holmes, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle Lofton. They're not they're not a they're bad a talented team. team. They were the favorite. I mean, they, they're clearly not a bad team. I think they were the favorites to win this conference before the season, right? Yeah, and so, oh, and they were preseason top twenty-five. Like when they lost yeah. when they lost to Northern Iowa um, back in November, people saw that as a really bad loss, and Bonaventure was off everyone's radar even after winning that tournament in uh, Charleston. I want to say they beat Boise State which win looks better every day. Clemson and then Marquette, which also looks better every day. But Northern Iowa's turned into a good team. I think Bonaventure has a chance to kind of sneak up on people in the yeah, conference tournament. I mean, tournament. maybe. I, they, just, they have losses to Davis and Dayton, VCU, um, Richmond. Like, I, I just don't necessarily think that the St. Bonnie's are going to somehow, like, light a match and, and turn there's, around. There's, there's, I will say there's always a bid stealer. It just matters about getting hot at the right time I mean, and, and for, peaking at the right time. For, like... I, we might talk a little bit Big East later, but Georgetown, who hasn't last, won a game in the Big East this season, was in the tournament because they won their conference tournament last year. So yes, of course, those bids do exist. And, and it's happened. It happened at the A10 tournament a few years back. Um, it was Dion Wiley, former Maryland Terp, his last year at, at St. Louis. They they were the five or the six seed in the conference, and they they came. They were no chance in the tournament. They ended up winning the, the, the whole thing, and they were 12 seed in March Madness. So yeah, you so never I mean, know what can happen. This is another fun um, conference. I can't can't wait on. to get into conference tournament talk. Yeah, though, which though. we will be in a couple weeks. You know, we're, we're mid February here. March is March is slowly approaching, um, so we will be in a couple weeks. But now we're gonna go to a segment called frauds or for real. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna do this most weeks probably until the the conference tournaments really kick off. We're just gonna break down a few teams and what we mean by frauds or for real is. Does this team have what it takes? They're obviously a highly regarded team, but do they have what it takes to make a Final Four, potentially national championship run? So the first team I'm going to give you is the team that every analytic site says is wildly overrated. The AP poll doesn't think so. We're talking about Providence, who's number eight in the country right now, according to the AP. But every analytic site doesn't have them anywhere close to top 20 team because they say they're a lucky team. We're very well going to find out tonight against Villanova when Providence is at home. We're going to break that down that game later. But is Providence a fraud or for real? This is this is a tough question for me. Just I mean, they're coming off an overtime win at DePaul where they had to storm back and win. You look at the luck rankings on Ken Palm, it's been a huge deal. They're the luckiest team in the country by far. It's not even close in that in that metric. I don't want to say they're frauds because I don't believe they're frauds, but when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, I don't think this is a national championship team. I don't think this is a Final Four team. Can this team get to the second weekend? Yes, I expect them to, but I expect them to probably lose in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, depending on the draw. Um, Probably not in the round of 32. I think they're they're a Sweet 16 Elite Eight team, not a Final Four team. I think Ed Cooley's doing his best coaching job yet. And I think the thing with luck is it's a little bit overblown just because sometimes you have to be lucky to be good yeah they have not lost a single digit game the entire season they got killed by virginia in november 58 40 that one kind of scrapped that one off the board and they got killed by marquette 88 56 every single single digit game they have won they're 11 and 1 in in the big east i think they're going to lose to villanova tonight and i think they're going to lose to villanova at the end of the season but i don't think that should necessarily be a reflection on the team that ed cooley has over there Providence has won seven in a row so like they're a very good team, and, and that's in a tough Big East conference. This is the most Big East is gonna get like six bids, maybe even seven bids this season, probably six. But that's the most Big East has gotten in a long time. So this is a tough, deep Big East conference. It's crazy we're asking this question before 
the, the game tonight against Villanova because I think we're going to find out a lot about Providence. And I, I think Villanova's going to win. I think they're actually going to cover the four and a half, which we'll talk to in a little bit. But it's more about how what Providence shows me and like the fight they show and, and just if they can compete with, still in my mind, the favorite in the Big East and Villanova. And if they can, maybe I'll switch my mind. But for now, I think Providence is a fraudulent team. I think they're going to be on that top four line in the tournament in terms of their seeding. Do you disagree with that? No, they, they, they've just been way too impressive in terms exactly. of their record and who, who they've beaten so far. But I do think they're not going to make it to the Sweet 16. I think they could I, 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 could, I could see them losing in the round yeah, of 32. Yeah, and I could, and so I just think, I, like, this Providence team is talented, there's no doubt. And Ed Cooley's a phenomenal coach, and he's done a great job off of his best start there, I believe, in, just in terms of their record. But I don't see this Providence team making a deep run in the, yeah, in, we're, in the we're, tournament. And we will see, and it'll be interesting to see how they do in the Big East tournament. Because that that's you know they're gonna have they're gonna be playing some of the best teams in the country in the Big East tournament because the Big East is so good this year. But I think Providence is a fraud, and I agree with the analytics sites. And I don't always I don't always agree with Ken Palm and and the net and all these things. But I do for this case Providence. I'm not necessarily necessarily saying it's lucky that they're this good, but I do see them getting upset early come tournament time. Yeah, I think I think there's a middle ground between their their eight ranking and the AP. And number forty-seven in in Ken Palm, I think you would hope. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, I but it's a drastic I, I, difference. I can't remember ever there being that drastic of a difference. Yeah, Wyoming. Well, Wyoming's a little similar with not Ken Palm, but BPI is a mm-hmm. vast difference between the net. But uh, I, I I do think I think we're, we both agree in the fact that Providence isn't a Final Four team and they're not going to go on, on the deepest of runs. But I still think, I think they're a good ball club. Frauds yep. is frauds is you know just how you see it in this that sense. Yeah, and and so we're gonna get to the next the next team here and it's, we're going to talk about duke if it's frauds or for real and and when i look at this team I, and i say i don't want to look at their tournament success necessarily when it when it's all said and done as if i'm correct in in determining if this team's a fraud for real because i think this team is for real. i think they have the talent to win a national championship and make a final four run does that mean they're young though they're incredibly young and a lot of times we see experience works better in the tournament in recent years than that that young talent so when I look at Duke, I'm like, this team, I don't think, I think they're for real because they have the talent in Coach K's last year ever coaching college basketball, presumably, you know, as he said, you never know with him, but he said it's his last year. But so I think they have the talent to make a national national title, definitely the final four even. But also I could look at this team being upset early because of just their lack of experience and being in a tough late game and somehow folding. We saw um, Bonchero the other day. Why am I blanking on who they played? But he took one shot in the second half? or uh, Virginia. Virginia, yeah, when they lost to Virginia. Yeah, lost to Virginia he took one shot in the second half. And maybe that those experiences will help them come tournament time. But I could see this team losing early. But I also think they're for real because they have the talent to make a title run. Yeah, I, I fully agree with your kind of description of Duke there. I think this team is, is a team that will find itself um, playing in the Sweet 16 no matter what. You can pencil it in as soon as yeah. the brackets come out. It's just a matter of what type of basketball are they playing by the time they enter the tournament. Because you know Duke, they're going to get a, a, some somewhat of a favorable job, uh, uh, draw by the time the tournament comes. last year, you kidding me? And, yeah. But the lo- you look at the losses to Virginia, you look at the loss to Miami, both at home. What's that all about? Which version of Duke are we going to see? Are we going to see that version, or are we going to see the version on November 26th that pretty much outplayed Gonzaga for a lot of that game and yeah. ended up beating them by three points when Gonzaga, you know, was the consensus best team in the country. Now they're back to number one. So that, that win's looking pretty impressive. I think Duke, you look at their schedule, they should they should win out in the regular season. Wake Forest at home, 
Florida State at home at Virginia could be a loss. At Syracuse could be a loss also. Yeah. It's a big rivalry. Uh, at Pitt and then home against North Carolina. They're going to be favored by at least five, yeah, six well, points. Yeah, the ACC is also one yeah, of the weaker ACC. Yeah, the ACC, ACC, ACC yeah. six. But you look at that, I think Duke's going to be really hot heading to the ACC tournament. Might not win the ACC tournament, but they'll 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 put put together some good basketball. I think I have a lot of faith in uh, in Bancaro to kind of get to that, you know, hit his stride as March comes. And I do like Wendell Moore as kind of that that junior yeah. veteran on the team. He's, he's, has he's really the only veteran, March. right? Yep. Like like. Oh, sorry. Excuse. Uh, yeah, he has not experienced March. Excuse me, because uh, his freshman year COVID was canceled, and last year. Uh, Duke missed the tournament, so. Oh my God! The thing that Duke missed the tournament last <laughs> that's, year. That's that's really that's year. that's going to be the biggest trivia that feels question. Like four uh, years ago, jeez. The biggest trivia question of them all. But I do like him as a veteran presence. Regardless, I think Duke will find a way to get it together. And you know, Coach K is not not bowing out like that in his last year. Yeah. For real, for real. Not. But if, if they do bow out, maybe it's not his last year. <laughs> they lose the round of thirty-two. Oh, maybe maybe he comes back for oh, one man. more. Probably not. But all right. So our next team that we're going to talk about is Purdue. Um, obviously. Number three ranking overall right now. I don't. I don't believe that. Uh, excuse me. Number five ranking in the country, right? Yeah, they're number yep. five in the country right now, according to the AP poll. Um, I think Purdue is a little fraudulent. There's been. Um, I found this stat, and it's interesting because in the last twenty years, there's only been one national t- championship who didn't who didn't ranked who one national champion who didn't rank top twenty five in adjusted offensive efficiency and top fifty in adjusted de- defensive efficiency. So. They all, all these national championships, and necessarily, you know, it doesn't make them a fraud if they don't win national champion. But does it, Purdue isn't top fifty in defensive efficiency. Um, you know, they're they, they're, they're not, not top, they're not top one hundred. Yeah, they've really struggled defensively, and we saw that against Maryland last week when Fats Russell got whatever look he wanted. So I look at this Purdue team, and I'm just like, I think they could easily be that that early out in the tournament. And everyone goes, oh, the Big Ten, the Big Ten, you know, like the Big Ten's overrated, all that. Because they could win the Big Ten tournament still, mm-hmm. and very well the regular season. But I just look at this Purdue team, and I'm like, they're a little fraudulent because I don't see them making that deep run. I, I like, I like Matt, Matt Painter. I think he's a very good coach. But I, I don't think that this team is going to make some Final Four run. I think there are signs of fraudulence. I think the defense... Worries me at the end of the day, 116 in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, yeah. 197th best Four. perimeter defense in the country. It's awful. There is there is a lot of reasons to be concerned there, and I'm not just going to back away and, and ignore that fact. I will say I think their offensive talent, if— It could know, carry them. I mean, it's number one in the country. It, it has a chance in March, if they go on that run, to be college basketball, you know, generally, yeah. generationally good. Like, when you have two bigs like Edie and Travion Williams, who— Edie's seven four. Travion Williams has got a package that a big yeah. man doesn't doesn't normally have in terms of, of skill set. And he's like complete. I mean, he deserves a ton of credit because he's completely committed to his role. Oh my god! Like he he could be a came superstar. came off the bench. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He could be a superstar on any team, like a legitimate superstar. But he's on this incredibly talented Purdue team when he's not necessarily the first or second option. But he's still the third leading scorer on that team behind uh, Edie and and Jane Ivy, obviously. But he's been, but he's still been terrific. Mm-hmm. And Purdue is what nine ten deep. Ivy, obviously, yeah. NBA uh, pro prospect. Sasha Stefanovic, one of the great perimeter players uh, in the country in terms of shooting. I think Mason Killis is really good. I think Eric Hunter is really good. I think this is a team that's deep. They have all the talent. I'm a little skeptical about Matt Painter, to be honest with you. They could have, they should have been to the Final Four when Virginia won the national championship. Yeah. Um, 
But regardless of that, I think I think it only takes even, it only takes one, and I called him a fraud here, but I think, but I do like Matt Painter. I, I think it only takes one run. We've saw agreed, that with agreed, Jay Wright in 2016. We've seen that coach all the time. It only takes one run to really turn that. Agree, but this is this is this is the year that, that oh, we're yeah, that we're talking about. They swept Illinois, which you have to love. The they got blown out by Michigan, and they barely beat Maryland, which you don't like in their last two games. But I think, gone to my head right now, I think I'm going to say Purdue is for real and they're going to end up figuring it out. Maybe not for real as of this moment on February 15th, but I think they will be. I just think there's way too much there where they, you know, they don't put it together and, and make that run of the tournament get to the final four. Yeah, that's fair. And like, well, look, when you look at like the national championships and none of them have been um, worse than top 50 and um, adjusted defensive efficiency that, you know, if Purdue makes a Final Four one, you know you could look at it as a, as a successful year. They don't need to win a national title, of course. So like, you can still make that. But that's run that, that's being that's the end that goal, great though. Defensively, yes. But like, if Purdue makes a Final Four, I'd just consider it an exceptional year. We're calling them frauds. Like, could they be? Could do they really have that potential to make that Final Four one, or could they be an early exit? And uh, right now, right now, and I agree with you that a lot could change in the next few weeks. But right now, I would, I would say Purdue is a little fraudulent. Yeah, All I right. mean, there's a lot of pressure for them too. No Final yep. Four since 1980. Yeah. So. All right, and you know maybe and the Big Ten need one. The Big Ten need, need someone to carry them right now. All right, so that was our frauds or for real segment. We'll break down some other teams as the weeks go on here before conference tournaments pick up. There's a few matchups we want to talk about tonight. Obviously, it's Tuesday, um, February fifteenth. We alluded to this one earlier, but we have number ten Villanova at number eight Providence. Villanova though the line opened at Villanova not minus five. It's now Villanova minus four. Who do we like in this one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we we both said uh, we like Nova. I think this is going to be an incredible game. I think the dunk is going to be electric when that arena gets pretty wild for, for, for big Providence home games. But I just, I think Villanova, it's kind of reached that point of the season where, you know, Jay Wright always has his teams hitting, hitting their stride. Um, they've won three in a row. Uh, impressive win over Seton Hall at home at Wells Fargo. It was a great mm-hmm. crowd this past weekend. Now you get Providence, Georgetown, UConn, Providence again, and then Butler to end the regular season. They could split with Providence. Um, I think this would be the loss if there was going to be one. I don't think they're going to lose to Providence at home. But at, like I said, I am really excited for this game, and I'm really interested to see kind of how does Providence take advantage uh, with Nate Watson down low in this matchup with, you know, Eric Dixon's kind of turned into that that big guy from Villanova, yeah, even though he's six foot eight. Yeah. I mean, incredible improvement by him this year. Just stick kind around, of, develop. I mean, that's what we talked about. I went with on Jay Wright last too. week about it. You know, that's, that's prototypical Jay Wright, Villanova guy, attitude, all that. I think, I, so that's that's the one thing I'm going to be, you know, looking at tonight. Nate Watson is, is a really, really good big man. Um, he had 16 points against DePaul uh, last game. We'll see uh, what we get from him tonight, but I think that's going to be the kind of, key to success tonight i think gillespie on the road he's been there forever you're gonna get a solid game from him you need justin moore to start is he you think he's feeling 100 percent by now justin i know, uh, I know, I know. He, ended, he did play last game yeah right? but i don't know if he's 100 percent yet i, I so make him providence has got to make him uncomfortable too yeah, but look the they, like villanova had has had big wins without justin moore i mean oh 100 be connecticut yeah that, but i'm just saying to go into a hostile environment yeah you, you gotta you gotta take advantage of, of of little things like that of your providence if you're gonna you know make that statement say we're for real this is it yeah this i don't think it's a serious injury so i think he'll be he's yeah. definitely gonna play tonight but or he's supposed to play tonight but i, I think he'll be fine but i don't know if he's necessarily 100 percent or if he even will be for the rest of the season but when i when i look at this game and this villanova team there's no team i've gone in the country i've gone back and forth with more about whether I think this team can win a national title 
or whether there'll be an early exit. And that's like when you get around this time and March is approaching and you look at these contenders, you're like, all right, can this team make a deep run, Final Four national title run, or are there an early exit? I've gone back and forth so many times with this team. They've been, they were swept this season by Marquette. What Jay Wright team gets swept by a big big East opponent? They don't. It it, it doesn't happen. And they were swept by Marquette. If they see him again, I expect Villanova in the conference tournament, I expect Villanova to win, obviously. So I've gone so back and forth with this Villanova team, and I, I still am undecided, and the next few weeks will determine that for me. But against Providence tonight, like I said, they, they've won a ton of games in a row. It feels like a loss is due for them. I know it's a great atmosphere at Providence, but I think this is this is the big-time game, but it's a prime-time game, Villanova. On a Tuesday night, obviously, Villanova is going to win this, and I think they're going to win by, like, seven or eight. I, it's interesting to see how, like, how many minutes Providence can compete for. You know, I want to see them... When we talk about frauds or not, I want right. to see they, them they can still lose and put together an encouraging performance in this game. Exactly, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. And that loss can even come by seven or eight points when Villanova drags away with some free throws at the end, maybe. But I think Villanova wins this game and, and doesn't have necessarily have a problem covering the four. Yeah, Villanova's another one of those teams for me. It's like, which one of them are you going to get? And I think the second game of the season against UCLA, I obviously don't want to go back to November, but that's a game they've kind of had a grip on for a yeah. really long time, and they just choked. And then you look at the the, uh, the sweep to Marquette, but then you also take a look on on the flip side. You have wins at Xavier, just be or they just beat Connecticut. That game was never really too close. Um, that was without Justin Moore. Couple yeah, a couple weeks back, and then uh, the win against Seton Hall. So I think there's two versions of this Villanova team. I think you're going to start to see a consistently better Villanova team. Yeah. The question still remains for me. If I mentioned this in the last podcast, if Colin Gillespie is a national championship caliber starting point yeah, guard, and I said he is. You did. You did say he is that, that question's still not answered for me yet. I'm I'm leaning no, but we will see. And but Look, I think you, you don't think. Ryan Archie Akin is a national championship starting point guard. You don't think any of these guys are until they do it. It's true. But it's true. like I, I do agree though that like it's rare with a Villanova team. Um it's rare with a Villanova team at this point of season you're asking like what team is gonna show up. You know, that's like usually at this point of the year, Jay Wright's teams, they show up and they're gonna play great basketball at this point of the year. So it's it's it doesn't it makes me feel uneasy a little bit that you're we're we're asking, we both agree that like we don't know which Villanova team's gonna show up. Yeah, and and we will see. Tonight's a big chance to make a statement for both sides. So we we both agree though that I Villanova like. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, uh, I I moved away from your question there, but I like <laughs> I like Villanova. But what's the spread? Minus four, Villanova. I I think I like Villanova by five. They'll they'll, okay. they'll just cover, but I, I think it'll be a great game. Well, maybe a little backdoor. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> All right. So the next matchup we're going to talk about is in the great SEC matchup tonight. Number four Kentucky at number six Tennessee. This line is Tennessee minus one and a half. No. Um, and but Tata might not play, so you, I think that I think that, I know, that's what the line is. I know who you're taking. I, well, I mean, I'm I'm a big Kentucky believer at this point. I, in the I season. absolutely am too. What is that? But I I think I think my instant reaction no was kind of you know I didn't I didn't necessarily register that Tata might not play. I think if he plays, Kentucky gets the win. I think if he doesn't, um, what's his status? We gotta we gotta look that up right now. I know as look, of, as of earlier, I think he was questionable. Look, but, I'm looking at this game, and yeah, maybe that that injury. That injury probably does play a factor into this line, and if he's made available, it might might switch a little bit, maybe down to a pick'em. But I, when I look at this game, I'm looking at the Arkansas Auburn game last week, and I said on that podcast, I said, you know, this line is telling you Arkansas is going to upset Auburn. That doesn't mean Arkansas is the better team, but last Tuesday, what happened? Arkansas upset Auburn. This is the same thing for me when I, I just look at this and I'm going. 
Tennessee is going to win this game. You know, Kentucky's reeled off a ton of wins. I think t- Kentucky's very much legit. I, like, you know, that's a team I'm very, I very, I'm thinking about having into my Final Four. But I just look at this Tennessee team. And I think they need a big time statement win right now. They're at home. Obviously, it's a great atmosphere there in Knoxville. I just it, this line is telling me that Tennessee's going to win this game, and mm-hmm. I think Tennessee pulls off the upset. Yeah, I think I think Ty Ty Washington. Uh, I think already was questionable earlier. I think leaning towards uh, most people thinking he's not going to play tonight. I think without him, I think it is a win that Tennessee does get at home. But Tennessee needs to make a statement, right? Yeah. They have they have Kennedy Chandler, the star freshman, uh, Zakai Ziegler, also a freshman who has been better than than Kennedy Chandler at times. And then, of course, uh, Big John Fulverson, who's been there for like a million years, it seems like, as well. But I do like Tennessee at home. I, I think I think the atmosphere is going to be electric there, especially without Ty Ty Washington. I just think Tennessee is a big advantage there that they'll take advantage of. Any kind of run that they go on, you know the crowd's going to feed into it. And like you said, Sam, with the line, you kind of learn that these lines tell you a lot about some of these games. Um, so I think without Ty Ty, I think my prediction is going to be Tennessee by two. But if he plays, I'm going to go Kentucky by two. Yeah, I think Tennessee wins this um, regardless, and I do think they cover that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game down the wire. I'm going to say Tennessee by three tonight. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a great game. The last game we're going to talk about tonight, um, from tonight, is Wisconsin at Indiana. Indiana's favored by minus three. Indiana's somewhat a bubble team right now. You know, we expect them to get a bid from the Big Ten. At least I do. They're like, they, they, they need a big-time win against a ranked Big Ten team. It might have... Their status might depend on what performance they can put up in the Big Ten tournament. But this is a great opportunity for Wisconsin at home. It's obviously an at, amazing atmosphere. At, is it at It Wisconsin? might be at Indiana. Yeah, so I mean at Indiana. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, Indiana's gotcha. at home. They're favored by three. Um, so, I, like, what do you have in this game? Uh, I think I think it's a re- like you said a really good opportunity for Indiana at home, and I think I think these two teams have become you know a little bit more evenly matched as of late. Wisconsin's kind of come back to earth a little bit. They lost to Rutgers at home last game, so they're going to be angry. But then on the flip side, you're Indiana. You've lost three in a row. You need to make a statement. Mm-hmm. You know you just you just lost to Michigan State on the road, which no one's going to frown upon that one at Northwestern before that. If you want to make the tournament, those are games you probably don't want to lose. But I think Indiana will probably have – their record will probably be good enough in the Big Ten to get in regardless. But I think this is a game where Assembly Hall is going to be rocking. Trace Jackson Davis has the potential to have another huge game. And I think that uh, Indiana gets the dub here at home. But it, it, it's it's another great game. Tonight. I mean, three great games we've just gone over. It could be another uh, – Crazy night in college hoops. Yeah, I agree. And I think this Wisconsin team is very much legit. Um, I think I agree. I agree. I think they could make a very deep run into the like final four. Even I don't. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but like I think this Wisconsin team is very good. Obviously, third in the Big Ten right now, and they have some more key wins. But I agree with you that in this is a desperate Indiana team that really needs this win. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on with that program. Mike Woodson suspended a bunch of their players. For yeah, that was that was the, weird. It was how many courts. five players? Yeah, I don't know exactly what was going on. No one does, but he suspended a bunch of them, ripped them in the post game press conference. Um, so I don't know if that lit a fire under them. I don't know if that's breaking them apart. We're gonna find out tonight because they desperately need a win against Wisconsin. I expect them to win. I think it's gonna be right around this line. I really think Indiana might win by three, but that doesn't take anything away from Wisconsin because I still think Wisconsin is one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Not at all. I mean, let's see what. Uh, I mean, Rob Finnessy was not wearing a walking boot against Michigan State in the last game. I mean, he's he's a big piece for them. Who's who's been out the last few games, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, 
know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to get these uh, these status updates with some of these uh, these college basketball players if you're not necessarily no, hooked, hooked in with the program at all very times. Hard. They don't, they just, yeah. a lot of these guys are game time decisions. Week in or game in and game out, and that we don't decide, we don't find out until like thirty right. an hour before the game. So Finnessy didn't play the last four games. I think if he plays tonight, that gives Indiana a really big boost at home. He was unbelievable in, in the game where they knocked off Purdue. He had twenty points at home, and I think there was the kind of the picture of him getting lifted off the the, the court by some of their fans there. That was an awesome. Game. That, that was, and that was a great picture as well. Um, I think I like Indiana regardless at home. They they gotta they gotta do some soul searching. You gotta find your identity, and this is this is a great spot to do. Yeah, I mean, if they lose this one, I think they might just rail. Um, they could free fall from there. Yeah, and then I think they would be on the outside looking in of that. Ball. Look, it doesn't it doesn't get easier from there. It's after this game, you're facing if they lose to Wisconsin at home, you're facing potential fifth loss in the row at Ohio State, a team yeah. that I really like as well. And then you got home against Maryland at Minnesota, home against Rutgers. Three games you're gonna be favored by, I guess. Maybe considerable margins there, maybe not Minnesota, and then you end with Purdue on the road. So I think Indiana, this game's probably more urgent than a lot of people might think, even at sixteen and eight, yeah. because it can kind of send you into a bit of a spiral. And I think that, and I think they will make that statement. So I, I I'm calling this a push. I've never even took a side on a push before, so I'm not gonna t- touch the game. But like I think Indiana's gonna win this game by three. You agree, Indiana's gonna win and cover? Indiana by four. I, I like right. I like the three, but maybe a little backdoor. Uh, Damn, we t- we we took some we took some chalk today, but uh, both the both of us we did. Sometimes you know yeah. you know we it's we're at Sometimes the point of the season happens. where Vegas is usually accurate. Yeah. we've seen that. But, you know we could be very wrong coming into next week's Tuesday podcast, but we'll see. All right, so that's our show today, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Collegiate Chaos Podcast um, on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ostry alongside Ben Dixon. We hope you enjoyed the show. The show, and we'll see you next Tuesday.